Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. How are we? Everybody good? Good. It's great to see you. Glad that you are here. Uh, I am very excited about this series, excited to be with you today and to share what the Lord has uh, shown me. I love, my goal every single week is that the Lord would uh, the Lord would show me something, teach me something new. You know, when you've, uh, like myself, been in a vocational uh, relationship with the church and my faith and whatever for now, 20, going on 23 years, uh, you read the Bible for a living, right? You study the Bible for a living. And it's amazing to me that God has the ability, verses that I've read, over and over a hundred times and all of a sudden God can speak to me and show me something that I've never seen before. And so I hope that that will be your experience today. Um, I hope that you always come looking for the opportunity to become inspired and challenged. Uh, we do not have, and our goal is not to have a country club church uh, where everyone just comes and, and just kind of hangs out. We, we, we want to be a church where we're actually doing things for the kingdom, moving the kingdom forward. We're, we're, we're arms linked together. We're warriors for Christ. We're moving uh, the, 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 the ball down the field. We got people to reach. We got salvations that, that, are, that God has designed to come in. We got ministries to start and support incredible things that God has planned for Oaks Church. Amen. And the, the beautiful thing is that you have a specific role. God has called you. He's equipped you. He's given you talents and abilities to be a part and have a specific role that you operate in in the ministry of Jesus Christ inside of Oaks Church. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. If you're here just to be a spectator, can I tell you, there's lots of other churches that can put on a better show. Lots of churches out there. We can't compete with the show. Lots of churches that can just, my goodness, the production value. But you're here because God has linked you together with a certain group of people to be a part of a movement that God wants to have in the earth, specifically in our city and our surrounding area. And you're here because God picked you to partner with him. It's the greatest honor that we can have. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you release your word to us today? Speak to us today, inspire us, challenge us, awaken us, revive us, give us courage. Father, give us a thrill, the thrill of seeking, the thrill of following you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The title of the series is The Greatest Gift. Last week we talked about how God's greatest gift, Jesus Christ, started as a promise that he made 4,000 years before Jesus would come and live on the earth. It was a 4,000-year promise. So many opportunities for people to doubt. So many opportunities for people to think, man, maybe my grandpa just made this up. Uh, I, mean, I mean, you think about it. Every single generation, my parents, my parents are 84 years old. They are convinced Jesus is coming back any second right now, right? And, and every generation before them has been, and I want him to come back. Like right now, can, can he just come back now? Can we, can we just skip, maybe after the World Cup finals, but I mean, at least get us led through that, you know, and then, and then maybe, maybe just right after that. I mean, it's just crazy out there, and it seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. 
but it's every single generation. Jesus said, I don't even know the time or the hour. Only the Father knows. But every generation for the last 2,000 years has thought we're the generation. He's coming back, and that's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live ready at any given moment because we don't know exactly when it's going to happen. But our job is to occupy until he comes. Our job is to take new territory until he does come. To live ready for him to return, but to move the kingdom forward, planning for the next generation, planning for the generation after that, just in case because we don't quite know exactly how long it's going to be. Uh, the, the promise on the return of Christ was that there was 6,000 years or six days, six is the number of man, six days of man, 6,000 years is the storyline of mankind. Uh, if you were here earlier when we talked about the Jewish New Year, we are in the year 5783, 5783. So we're a couple hundred years away from 6,000 years. Now it could happen, we're in the 6,000th year, it could happen any time inside of this or right after or whatever, we don't know exactly what time, but we're getting close. We're getting close. God makes a promise. When he makes a promise, he has a specific time when that promise will be fulfilled. And he made this promise according to his promise that at the right time, I will do it, he says. At the right time, I will do it. Sometimes his timing is not our timing. Oftentimes, most times, almost every time. I want the timing to be just a little bit different. But God knows. He knows. I um, was thinking about a story that would be connected to a promise. Um, my, my, my dad made me a promise when I was... Um, when I was a young man moving into my teenage years, he started teaching me how to drive at, at 14, and he made a promise that he would help me get a car when I was 16. And I uh, was so excited about that, right? I mean, it was a, it, growing up in the 80s in small town Oklahoma, uh, a car was absolute freedom, right? You could go anywhere. I mean, we, growing up in the 80s, a bike we would be like three towns over on a bike. Parents have no idea. Pre-pager, right? Pre-cell phone, pre-internet, pre-all. You are just gone, man. And if you could get a car, you could go a, maybe a state away and back before dark, right? You don't know. I mean, you, we had maps codes. Remember maps codes? You had, you had to keep a map in your car. Kids have no idea. You would have to pull over open up your maps co flip down through it find and, and and what it's just unbelievable now we just tell the car what to do and it takes us siri take me here and it takes us there it's amazing but i remember being 14 and man, everything was about driving i was so excited to drive i was so excited about that promise of a car so i practiced even my parents didn't know i was practicing I would sneak out in the middle of the night. I would roll, my mom had a Ford Escort. Remember those? Like a little, it's like, it's like, a, it, like a, a, the new version of a gremlin, right? And I would literally roll, we had a steep driveway and I would roll it down the driveway because it was a stick shift and, and I would let it roll down and I would like be backwards rolling so it would get far enough away from the house so I could start the car without them hearing the car start. And then would go and pick up my friends and we would help the newspaper man who would put the newspapers in the wrong place for us, 
we thought that every newspaper should go to our friend's Tucker, Tucker's house. And so we would literally drive around at least, you know, once or twice a month and take every newspaper from the entire neighborhood and put them all in Tucker's yard. It was just a wonderful blessing that we gave to Tucker's family. But I was so excited to drive and I was so excited to get my first car. And, and I remember uh, getting my, my permit and getting my license. And I had in my mind that I was going to come home and I was going to find this brand new car with a big bow on it, like in the movies or something, like, like in the commercials. You know, the commercials where, isn't this a funny thing? Like just Lexus is having commercial, Mercedes having commercials, like normal people just, you know what, honey, I'm gonna get you a $100,000 car for Christmas. God, you know what, I mean, if that's you and that's your life, praise the Lord. We've got a missions program we'd like to connect you with to help children in Africa. But I mean, I mean that's just not the normal life. And for me, I heard the promise my dad made, Joel, I will help you get a car. And to me, that meant something very different than it meant to my dad. So it's my 16th birthday and I'm like, where's, where's my car? And, and my dad's like, what car? I said, the car you're, you're, you're getting me, you said you're gonna get me. He said, no, I didn't say I was gonna get you a car. I said, I would help you get a car. Uh, okay. He goes, I'm gonna help you. I've already been talking to the, to the neighbor and, and, and I'm gonna show you a picture of, of what my first car looked like. Uh, it was 1973 Beetle. This thing, this was the original SUV. I took this thing rabbit hunting in the woods. This thing went every, so my dad comes back and he's like, I talked to uh, Mr. So-and-so across the street. Um, you need to go over there. I've already worked it out with him. Your job now as a 16 year old is to go over there and talk to him about the price uh, that he has and a payment opportunity. He's already agreed that he's gonna finance this car for you, owner finance it. And you have the opportunity, Joel, that you get to get a car and I'm gonna help you. My dad's idea of getting a car, and I'm so glad that this was my dad's idea because he made me partners in the dream. He made me partners. He didn't just give it to me. He didn't just hand it out to me. He made me partners in it. He, he taught me responsibility. He taught me about ownership. I got to finance this car with our neighbor for 0% interest. As a 16-year-old, I got to pay $100 a month for 18 months to pay off my $1,800 car that got me at least through my senior year until it caught on fire uh, at the corner of 71st and, and uh, uh, Lynn Lane uh, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And, and I'll never forget, uh, we, Jet City Woman by Queensryche was on the radio blasting as loud as it could. And, and, and I literally had, uh, you know, the engines in the back. And I remember my buddy sitting next to me, and he was a future Marine, and always, everywhere he went, he had a big old cup that he would spit uh, his, you know, Copenhagen or whatever into, and, and he said, man, do you smell something funny? I said, I don't know. We're sitting waiting for the light to turn red, and, and he goes, it smells like something's burning. And I look in the rearview mirror, and the entire back of the car is engulfed in flames. And, and we're like, oh, we jump out of the car and, and literally jump out and, and Brian uh, takes his spit cup and goes to the little ditch. He's getting one little scoop and running back and one little scoop and running back. And, and then this, 
Then this girl, all of a sudden, this girl from high school pulls up, whips, she has this brand new Camaro, whips her Camaro around and, and like pulls sideways in the road, jumps out with a fire extinguisher and literally puts the fire out. And Brian and I, who think we're tough guys, are sitting there just watching this woman, this 17-year-old girl, save us from an explosion. And, and then I, I left that car on the side of the road. I never saw it again. I just did the whole thing. Just the whole thing burned to a crisp. And, and then I got to, my dad got to help me. Uh, find my next car. I show you a picture of that one, but never mind. That one had other issues we don't need to talk about. We have a part to play in the promise. We have a part to play. God is not looking for freeloaders. God is looking for partners. God's looking for people that link arms with him. God's looking for people that, 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 that are fully committed. The Bible says that his eyes, the eyes of the Lord roam all over, to and fro, all over the, the earth, looking for the one who is fully committed so that he can strengthen them. He's looking for someone that's fully committed, that's not looking. I mean, in life, we would all love it if it was just a handout, right? We would all love, does anybody want to win the lottery when it's up there, hundreds of millions, a billion dollars? One person won, two, was it 2.1 billion, Phil? I know you know exactly how much it was. Uh, 2.1 billion dollars, one guy. Why not us? Jesus. For crying out loud, why not send your little angel, flutter around, get the numbers right? We got a kingdom to build for you. For crying out loud, some guy, hillbilly dude in Massachusetts or what, who knows? $2.1 billion. We want that. We want the easy road. We want the gimme. We want the freebie. It's human nature. But for whatever reason, God sees fit to let us go through life with challenge after challenge after challenge when he could literally just do the little pinky finger thing and fix stuff because he's, he's God. But he lets us be a part of the process and he's given us a part to play in it. I wanna take you to, to, uh, to a part of the Christmas story today where two individuals have an experience or actually there are multiple individuals that have an experience with this angel, Gabriel. Today I want to look at the story of Gabriel's announcement to uh, John the Baptist's mother and then also to Jesus' mother and how those stories unfold. So the first story, these are back-to-back. -back. These stories are found in the book of Luke chapter 1. If you'd like to turn there, we'll start uh, reading in Luke chapter 11 in just a moment. But this starts out with the story of a high priest named Zechariah who is married to a woman named Elizabeth and they're both very old. They're, they're past the years of childbearing and they have just given, they've just given up. They're good people, they're godly people, they're dedicated people. He, again, is one of the priests that serves inside of the house of the Lord and she's a godly woman as well. And he goes to do his time uh, in the temple, and while he's there, he has an experience with the angel Gabriel. Luke chapter 1, verse 11 says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, 
standing at the right hand of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. Imagine how long ago had that prayer been prayed. They're years past the time of childbearing. They're old at this moment, the Bible tells us. And a prayer that they had prayed, who knows, decades earlier? A couple decades earlier? We don't know how long they'd prayed this prayer, but all of a sudden, when the time was right, God brought it to pass. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or any other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the uh, people of Israel uh, to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. This is a huge prophecy. To turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. This is an incredible promise. Zechariah is receiving from Gabriel, the, the, the messenger angel of God. We have no idea how big Gabriel is. All we know is that when anybody sees him, whenever he shows up, everybody freaks out. And the first thing that Gabriel says every single time is, don't be afraid. <laughs> what do you look like if every single time you see someone, you have to say, don't be afraid? You know what? I don't ever have to do that. In my five foot seven stature, no one ever looks at me and goes, man, that guy's just terrifying. <laughs> Never. Now, if they knew me, they might, because, man, I'll bite your kneecaps off. I'm a mean little sucker, you know? But, 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 but at the end of the day, nobody looks at me and, and thinks, man, that's one intimidating guy right there. But Gabriel was scary. He gives this amazing prophecy, and Zechariah his response, he turns to the angel and says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. And my wife is along in years. Interesting. He says, I'm an old man. My wife's along in years. This is a veteran husband. This is a veteran. This dude, he knows I don't call my wife an old lady. I'm, old. I'm an old man. She's just advanced. Experienced. My wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, watch this, I love this. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my Words which will come true at their appointed time. Wow. Some of you have prayed that this would happen to your spouse <laughs> or your children. God, could you just please shut their mouth? Maybe just, just get them through seventh grade before they ever speak again. I'm just kidding. Seventh grade was very traumatic for me. I stand in the presence of God. I stand in the throne room of God. And because you, didn't, because you didn't respect my word, now you get to be silent until the baby's born. Guess what, y'all? Elizabeth isn't even pregnant yet. We don't know how long it took her to get pregnant. 
And maybe it was, maybe it was, he gets back from his duties and maybe it was quick. We, we don't know how the process, but what we do know is if she got quick pregnant right away, you're talking 40 weeks, 40 weeks of silence. Remember, 40 is the number of judgment. 40 years wandering in the wilderness. 40 days Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the enemy. 40 is the number of judgment. Interesting. He comes out, people like can't figure out what's going on. He's been in there a long time. Now he can't talk. And he goes home and is obedient to this and his wife gets pregnant. And then a number of months later, the next part of the story happens. This is found in Luke chapter 126. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married by a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will bring, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now remember, this is not a 70-year-old veteran religious leader. This is a 15-year-old young lady, 15-year-old young lady who's a virgin who doesn't know the ways of the world whatsoever, but her response to Gabriel, even though she's troubled, her response is different. She says, how will this be? She asks a question. Uh, if we look back up here, uh, Zechariah said, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. Mary says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in power and the Most High God will overshadow you so the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Watch this, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This is um, amazing to me, the response, and specifically the difference between the two responses. Uh, number one, they both asked a question. Zechariah's question was basically, how are you going to prove this to me? I don't believe you. It doesn't make sense. Prove it. How is this going to happen? He's older. He's jaded. He's been disappointed by God. He's prayed this prayer with he and his wife for decades maybe. We don't know. Prove it. Mary's question is, how can this be? 
because I'm a virgin. Mary is asking about process. How does it work? Help me do the math on it because it doesn't make sense in my head. But I'm, I'm not doubting you. I just, I'd like a little more information. How will this be? I'm a virgin. Doesn't quite make sense, but, but, I'm, but I'm open to it. Obviously, Gabriel has a very different response to Zechariah than he does to Mary. He calls Mary favored and blessed and, and prophesies over her. Zechariah ticked Gabriel off so much, so fast, that he shut him up completely. And it was all the way until Zechariah, when the baby John is born, Zechariah pulls out his little chalkboard or whatever and writes, his name is John. And when he writes the name John, all of a sudden his mouth is open and he can speak again. It's an incredible story. And the big question is this, how do you respond to God? How do you respond to God? Have you ever had have you ever had really really good intentions and you approach someone and they responded really bad? H have you ever had your spouse respond bad to you and you're like, "Geez. Okay, sorry." Your kid, you ever had your kid respond bad? And you're like, "I will murder you." <laughs> Not really. But but, but you, we don't like to be responded badly to. We, we like to be treated with respect. We like to be treated with honor. I'm curious how we respond to God oftentimes. What does your prayer life sound like? I, my, my relationship, my, my way I communicate with God is, is very much um, relational. We, we, I talk to him as if he was my dad. I talk to him like he just would be anybody else. I, we don't grovel in the presence of God. Jesus says that he's, that he's our father. He's introduced us to our heavenly father. And, and just like my earthly father was a good father and wanted to help me, into great opportunities, but there was a part for I, that I had to play. How much more, the Bible says, will your heavenly father give you all good things, but he won't ever give you something that would destroy you. He wants you to grow into a place where you can handle it. So you don't destroy yourself, and that's why he makes you partners with him. How do you respond to God? Because attitude is very important. What Mary did that was different than what Zechariah did is Mary instantly got in agreement with the word. Zechariah said, prove it to me, and he pushed back on it. Mary got into instant agreement. I need a little more information, but then she says, may it be unto me according to your word. She got an agreement. We have to get in agreement with the promise. Now, we understand we're talking about a couple of different things here. We're talking about, number one, obviously, the promise of Jesus Christ. But if you've received the promise of Jesus Christ, the promise that you receive from Jesus Christ, the promise of your salvation, comes with an assignment. It's not a, I'm good, I'm going to heaven, now I just do whatever I want. The promise of salvation comes with with a commandment for every one of us. And we call it the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of every nation. Whoever believes uh, and is baptized will be saved. Whoever doesn't believe, it will be condemned. Jesus called us 
to a co-mission. He called us to respond to the mission that he placed in the earth. And that's why we're here together. That's why we're a part of Oaks Church together. That's why you're on oakschurch.com right now watching a service and partnering with us because he's called us together to be a part of a co-mission. And the mission is to share the promise with everybody we possibly can. It's not just about building a great life in, a, in the great state of Texas or wherever you live. It's not just about the things that we do to bless and our kids and whatever. And listen, God wants you to live a great life, but he wants you to be on mission. How do you respond to the promise? How do you respond when the preacher talks about tithing? How do you respond when the preacher talks about serving? How do, you, how do you respond when the preacher talks about going through an align class and giving up some of your time or, or, or doing the 90-day the tithe challenge that a number of people are doing right now uh, through, through our church because they want to put God to the test as he commanded us to do? Put me to the test in this. How do we respond? How do we respond whenever uh, the, the person that we're volunteering with gives us an assignment that we don't like or asks us to walk through a process that maybe we don't think is the process? How do we respond if it's someone that God has put in place of authority? Did you know that every authority comes from... God even authority you don't like even the president you don't like pick one just take your pick wait a couple years you could dislike another one somehow God sees fit to put people in authority even when we don't understand and he commands us to pray. He commands us to be kingdom builders to the best, in the best way possible. How do we respond to the authority of God that's represented inside of the people around us in our life? That's why it says in the scriptures, it says to honor your father and mother so that you'll live long on the earth. The Bible says it's the first commandment that had a promise attached to it. If you honor your parents, you'll live long. Wow. Listen, there's a principle there in honor. You honor people that God puts in authority, it elongates your life. It brings blessing in your life. When you sow honor, you reap honor. How do you respond to God? Are you in agreement with the promise? Are you in agreement with the, the commands of God over your life, the mission of God over your life? Or are you pushing back? Does, does God have to pull you by the ear, kicking and, and screaming into his purpose? Or, or do you have the type of response like Mary? I don't quite understand it. It doesn't all the way make sense, but be it unto me according to your word. I'm just going with it. God, if you say it, I'm going with it. The Bible talks a lot about agreement. Another word for agreement is unity. To, to be in accord. If if If... If something is in accord, it means it's in unity, it's in sync, it, it, it's, it's, in this, it's in the same rhythm, it's in the same type of pitch, it fits together. When you look at, there's the word accord, which means in agreement, or a chord, which is a, a, a bunch of pieces of string all woven together, accord is something that's powerful. And when you are in accord or in agreement, it's powerful. In fact, it says one of the promises of God is that when people dwell together, when God's people dwell together in unity, 
that it's like that it's like the anointing oil being poured out on Aaron, the high priest's head, flowing down onto his beard and onto his garments. That place of unity, that place of agreement, that place of being in accord is where God's anointing flows. And remember, anointing literally means to be smeared with oil. The symbolism is that you are covered in the presence of God. That's exactly where you want to be. When you're covered in the presence of God, guess what? You're going to make it through anything when you're covered in the presence of God. You're going to make it through anything. You're going to overcome through any adversity when you're covered in the presence of God. Sometimes we're out of agreement. We're not in alignment. We're not in accord with what God is saying. And it puts us in a place where we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable. Why did God shut Zechariah up? Why would, why, would, why would Gabriel literally shut him up for 40 weeks? I'm gonna submit this to you. Because if you're not in agreement with what God is saying over your life, you can mess it up. If you're saying the wrong things over your life, you can mess it up. You're saying the wrong things over your kids, saying the wrong things over your spouse, saying the wrong things over your finances, saying the wrong things over your boss or your employees, saying the wrong things. The power of life and death is in your tongue. God is the creator. We're made in his image. How does God create? Everything God made, how did he do it? He spoke. How do you create made in God's image? You speak. Your mouth... Don't look at your spouse right now. Some of y'all mess stuff up all the time. I'm one of you. My mouth is the, is the gift. God gave me a mouth. And it can get me in trouble. Or it can, it can either open amazing doors and do amazing things, or, or it, can, it can close doors real quick. Power of life and death is in your tongue. Blessings and curses. God said today, I put, put before you blessings and curses, life and death. And then he gave us the cheat code. Choose life. Choose blessing. Do you know how you get saved? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Salvation is born through the confession with your mouth. You believe it in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is your Lord. Your, your salvation experience starts with confession. A couple of verses I want to read to you and I'm gonna break down what Gabriel said real fast and we'll close it up. Hebrews chapter 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Hold unswerving through the hope we profess. First Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This word profess or confession, it's translated two different ways. It's the exact same word. It comes from the word homo legeo. Homo legeo literally translates same word. Same word. What is your profession? The same word. What do you confess? The same word. Come on with me. You're about to learn something really cool. See, in our, the word profess, the English language is really weird. The word profession can mean what you do for a living, or it could mean what you say as a declaration. 
out of your mouth, what you profess about your life. Same words, same spelling, two totally different meanings, but it's about your, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it like this, it's about your work and it's about your worship. It's about your work and it's about your worship. Did you know in the Hebrew language, the word worship and work are the same word? It's pretty interesting. Homo the same word, say the same word. I'm gonna give you a key. Whatever God says, say the same thing. What does God say over your kid? What does God say over your spouse? What does God say over your business? What does God say over your church? What does God say over your finances? What does God say over your future? What does God say over your education? What does God say over your life? What does God say? You wanna have a victorious life? Say the same word, homo legeo. Whatever God says, that's what I'm saying. Do you know Jesus, who was sinless, he literally said, I only say what I hear my father saying. I only say what I hear my father saying. So let's bring this down for a landing real quick. Luke chapter one, verse 37. What did Gabriel actually say to Mary? The King James Version, New King James Version, it translates it this way. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Luke chapter one, verse 37 in the NIV says, for no word from God will ever fail. Same, tra- same verse translated two different ways. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Or for no word from God will ever, will ever fail. So I, I, I was confused by that because those are completely different statements. Nothing will be impossible with God or no word from God will ever fail. Well, when I went to the Greek and actually looked at the sentence, the sentence says, Hoti u adamateo para hotheos pasrema. That's the Greek sentence. Did you get that? It literally says, so never impossible with this, God, every spoken word. So I made my own translation. This is the Joel Scribner version. So it's never impossible with every word God speaks. See that? Like that? There's actually a Scrivener Bible out there. Do you know that? Poor one of my, my relatives, Scrivener means scribe, and there was a, there's, it's a Greek version. Uh, this is, I'm just making this one up. This is unofficial, but... Um, So it's never impossible to every word God speaks. It, 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 that, that, that it's theos pas rhema. Rhema means utterance, the spoken word of God, what God is saying right now. And Mary's response was, may your rhema to me be fulfilled. That's what she said. To, she said, may your rhema to me be fulfilled. May your rhema to me be fulfilled. Your spoken word. Theos Theos Pararema, every spoken word of God. May your word to me be fulfilled. Guys, you want to live a powerful life? You find out what God is saying and you say the same word. You say the same word. You say the same word over every part of your life. We've got to stop doing the devil's work for him. We get an agreement. And we say the same word that Satan is saying over our spouse. The accuser, 
we get into a, we get into agreement and say the same word that he says over our future. We're dismantling the promise. We have a part to play in the promise and your response is very important. Your attitude of agreement is everything, but the key is you gotta say what God is saying. The rhema word of God, it will change everything about your life. Amen? Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the word that you have given us, the secret hidden inside of this passage, the secret hidden inside. The secret to success with you is to say exactly what you're saying. That's our story. We're sticking to it. That's our profession. That's our confession. We're going to say the same word. Father, you say that we're the head and not the tail. Father, you say that we're above and not beneath. Father, you say that we are more than conquerors. Father, you say that we are overcomers. Father, you say that our faith can overcome the world. Father, you say that nothing is impossible with you. Father, you say that not a single word from your mouth will ever fail. Father, you say that you will do it at the proper time. Father, we say what you say. We say what you say over our lives, over our children, over our finance, our future, our business, our education, every fast, over our nation. Father, we say what you say. You're not done with this nation. You're not done with the people of God in this nation. You're not done with the future that we have. You're not done with what you want to do. Father, we say what you say. We will no longer get an agreement with the enemy and say what he says. Father, we say what you say. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.